0: Every once in a while, you have an amazing person come into your life. And Gary and I were talking when he flew in the other day about the mystery of our friendship. And I mentioned to him, and I don't know if you found any, but I said, I don't think there's a single picture of you and I together. And yet, if you were to ask either one of us, we're, we're, we're so influential in each other's lives. Isn't that fascinating? I'm like, we don't have one single picture together. And, and I'm like what is the deal with that he, you know he's like come on you're lying no that's can't be true I'm like I think it's true I, I've looked I've looked all right there is a mystery about this relationship and I think that God has allowed this to flourish in secret because we we, 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 we get together and we're like brothers man it's like never there's not a dull moment there's never a missing the beat you, you just pick up the conversation. But there's this mysterious thing, and I and it dawned on me that God loves a mystery. He loves taking us through mysterious events and mysterious things. So without further ado, Gary Black, why don't we stand and honor him tonight? Come on. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, we we'll can do better, man. Come on. A good man. Hi my friend. Welcome back.
1: Yes. Ah.
0: So hey, we're just gonna pray for you yes. before we get started tonight. Dang, where's our cedar wood? Locked in the the closet. All right, we'll get you some. We'll get you juiced up afterwards. Nice. Father. Yes, God. There are friends that are raised up in times of difficulty. There are times, Lord, that we have needed each other, rested on each other, cried on each other. And Lord, I thank you for this man, for his obedience, for his wife, Lisa, for his son, Noah and Tyler and Michael and Caleb, his daughters, Emily and Alexis, Mm. and the thousands and thousands of young people around the planet that have learned, gleaned, rested, corrected their lives at his feet. Mm. I bless you with all this house. Mm. Let this house rest upon you, my friend. Yes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lonnie Dyer, wow. And uh, we have a leadership school in Spain right now, and anytime something's said that's a blessing, all the students have to learn it and just learn to get out and grab it. Right, So capture it. So when you get prophesied over tonight, or you get a little blessing on your life, you got you to grab it and take it, right? Like a wide receiver going after a football. Not like a Patriot, but like a, like a Denver Bronco. Come on, church. I, I'm telling you, I am uh, around world-class teachers all the time, all over the world. And there is very few that touch your pastor, our pastor, Lonnie Dyer's teaching, like, I'm, 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 it's a, it's a mystery to me, the hiddenness that God's had you all in, but specifically you. It drives me crazy. So, as you know, I'm like, I'm just, I'm looking for all these avenues all the time to get Lonnie in, intersected with what we're doing. And, I, and I'm going to find it. We're going to get there when God releases it. But listen, he said to me two things today. Uh, you know, I flew in 26 hours. My mom died uh, a few days ago. <clears throat> we didn't know we were going to be here. And, uh, I was 26 hours getting here, saw Lonnie the next day, and he's like, you're teaching. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) it's a a little bit of a fog. But today, you know, I've heard transition for Keystone for so long. And I heard it again today, but then the Lord immediately stopped me. And he said, transition's about ready to end. And it's going to go into obedience. And I feel like for some of you, he's going to call you to some pretty radical obedience. And I want to talk about that just a little bit tonight of what does that look like when God says, Get in the boat, right? Like, he doesn't leave us a choice. He doesn't say, maybe you can or maybe you can't. But he said, it's time to get in the boat. And then for some of you, it's some time to get out of the boat and walk on the water, right? And so Michael, the authority, here's the other thing he said to me. There's a And I just saw it in the back, there's a new authority resting on the corporate body of Keystone, sat, sitting on you. He's calling you to a deeper place. And I want you to say yes to it with a whole heart just even deeper because more authority every, you know, the more we get known in the spirit world, the more authority we have. And in that worship place, it's like you're right there. It's like we're at 49% and he's going, there's 52. I'm going to take you right over this thing to 52 and it all changes. And it's sitting on you and it's beautiful. It's awesome. Um, And so anyway, I'm going to pray for you before we're done. Is that cool? Um, What's your name? What? Tim, you know, I was sitting behind you and the Lord said, um, there's false accusation around Tim. There's people that falsely accuse you. And it's like it's been a potentially a regular thing in your life. And God said that um, none of it's true. He wanted to remind you of that. He wanted me to remind you of your David's heart. You're a true worshiper. You really actually know him. And that there's a little bit of a storm going on over your life. I don't know what it is. I didn't see the foot, but he's calm. He's right in it with you and he's calming it. And so, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's coming. Good? All right. We'll let some more go in a little bit. Um, Let's pray. Father, you're a good God. Oh, you're a Genesis 1 brilliant, beautiful God. And tonight, we just, uh, we want to submit to that goodness. We want to submit to the beauty of who you are and the beauty of who we are in that. And so, Dad, I just ask for your, just your precious, the only thing, the only, only you can do this, but Holy Spirit, just come and let every word that's not from you drop, but every word that is, let it just uh, penetrate. Mm-hmm. And let it just bring it all together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know how many of you made New Year's resolutions. How many of you did that? Oh, good. Carl, <laughs> don't make New Year's resolutions, man. <laughs> I hate them because I can't ever do them, right? And so one of the things the Lord has taught me, we live in Spain, for those of you that I don't know, been there a year and a half almost, which is insane. We went to, I met all my Keystone family, uh, we lost our son Michael three and a half years ago, and I met them in this horrible, tragic place, and they've never really known us apart from that. And they never really will know us apart from that because that will never leave us. But the first three months in Spain, we went a year ago, September we just wept and cried and didn't do anything but, and slept, uh, just wept and cried and slept and sat on the Mediterranean Sea and just watched the waves for a few hours at a time. And the Lord taught me how to let pain actually teach me what it was there to teach me. And, and it, was, it was the most dark, painful, horrible place of my life, but he, I didn't get to anesthetize it. I didn't get to push it down. I didn't get to change it. I just get, got to sit there and feel the fullness of it. And I didn't get to get up until I learned from the pain. It's the greatest teacher. And, and what it started to teach me is this goodness of God, that we're born to be loved. And that me loving me is just me loving Christ in me. Right? I just get to love Jesus in me. Like they take this survey at this college a bunch of colleges, 37,000 kids or something, and they said, what's the three things you love the most, the three people you love the most in the world? And out of 37,000 and some, not one of them said themselves. And Jesus is pretty clear. If you love yourself, you're going to love everybody else. Right? Until I love myself, until I go, I'm born to be loved. I'm just born to be loved. I can love anybody. And then I can learn in the midst of, the storm and the horrible darkness of death and life and my mom dying and literally she's trying to grasp air for two hours the other night. And my dad finally dropped to his knees and said, God, just take my wife. Fifty-eight years of marriage. And she's gone. And and I get the text, you know, and it's four o'clock in Spain, I just get done teaching, and I and I, I'm born to be loved. The goodness of God. It all belongs. I don't know how this looks. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to walk in it. And I'm going to keep telling myself, oh, the goodness of God. And every time a negative thought comes or every time that grief hits me, I go, okay, God, is it there to teach me something again? Do I need to learn a deeper level of grief here? Because I want to learn it. I don't want to take it away. And it comes. And so my, my new year, I just, we committed, Lisa and I, were we've learned this in Spain. we washed kind of the busyness and the craziness of life for the first year. In this last six months, we've just really been learning to take little steps on everything. So Lisa's writing three books right now. She's done with a couple of them, they're amazing. But she just writes her 1,500 words a day. She's not trying to write a book, she just writes 1,500 words a day. I try to walk eight miles a day. I can't in Europe, I don't have a car, it's brilliant. I love it. It's so simple, right? (laughs) I try to do little things. I do my daily Bible reading on my little app. It takes 10 minutes. I did it last year. I went through New Living Translation, and and at the end of the year, I read the whole Bible. Just 10 minutes a day. Just taking little steps. Trying to make my life just that little bit better every single day instead of these big grander diets and all this stuff that we do. They don't work. So then God said to me today, I want you to tell them, because I've been sitting in this place of original blessing Now, this could mess some of you theologians up, and that's okay. I'll be good, I promise. You're my my most favorite theologian, by the way, (laughs) because you usually agree with what I'm getting. (laughs) Original blessing instead of original sin. I want you to think about this as we go into the storm for a minute. I'm not going to go long, I hope, right? But you've got this God in Genesis 1, and I just want to read you Genesis 1, because this is just killing me. It's just this the original blessing of God. I want you to listen to how God created us, how he started us, right? He's hovering over the earth. And you know what hovering means? That literally means like a chicken over her eggs. It says he's looking down on earth, the chaos, and he says he's hovering like a mother chicken over her eggs with warmth and goodness and life. And then he says, what does he say day one? Let's start this thing. You know, you've got Holy Spirit, come here. Jesus, come here. Let's start this thing. It says they're together doing it, right? And what does he say at the end of every day? This is good. This is so good, man. We're really good at this stuff. This is awesome, right? And he makes this, the stars and the sky and the waters and the shorelines, and he's bringing order into chaos. And he says to me often, Gary, hover over the chaos. Speak authority into the chaos. I'm good. It's good. When your life is crazy and the storms are brewing and your wife's being mean to you and your husband's being an idiot again and your job sucks and God's not answering any prayers, I get to go, oh, I get to hover. That's a good sign for me now. Before I t- to get down in the chaos and be pissed off, I'm sorry, I can't say pissed, ticked off and, uh, no, I was preaching at, uh, this thing the last year at Awakening to all these kids. It was a good, I, said, I said balls to the wall from stage, and I got in trouble. So I'm really trying to be good. I'm not allowed to say balls from, to the wall at the pulpit anymore, but I'm here, so I'm all right. It's my Skype name. It's i I'm just balls to the wall. I just love it. Is incredible. So he creates this an original blessing and he loves it. And I just see this like verse 9 of Genesis 1, and God saw that it was good. Verse 13, and God saw that it was good. Verse 18, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was just over. And I'm just highlighting this, right? And then he gets down to us. And I want you to get this picture. He's, he's cre- he says, man, I got to make something that looks just like me. I think Jesus is like what? He's like, let's make something that looks just like us, and not only that, but let's make them look like us, and let's give them everything. Let's just do it all for them, and let's say, let's let them know that this thing isn't misery. We don't sing, "Oh, fly away, oh, glory," to get out of here one day. We win this thing. Do we, You do you realize that? I'm coming back alive to this fact that God created us to cover the earth in his glory because we win. It doesn't matter if it's Donald. It doesn't matter if it's Hillary. It doesn't matter who it is. Right? It matters that we win. And he created us to win. So he's up there and he's like, let's make them look like us. Let's give them everything. And and Lucifer says, whoa, whoa, uh, God, wait a minute. Wait, wait. We've been around a long time. We've been serving you with everything that we have what do you mean you're going to make them look like you? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, I'm going to make them look just like me. Uh-huh. Lucifer says, no, <laughs> this is crazy. And, and you're going to give them everything? And God says, yeah, I'm, I'm giving them it all. They get it all. They get the full inheritance of everything. And Lucifer says, wait, 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 wait. And, and we get to serve them? And God goes, yeah, I created you just to serve them. Wow. And he's like, uh-uh, uh-huh. no way. And he takes a third and they go out. All of this happened before that. It was good. We were blessed. He looked at us and said, I'm going to make a look just like me. He birthed us in blessing. In fact, he says it right here. Verse 28 of of chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase. God blessed them and said to them, be free. And then in verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. good. And then chapter two, he keeps going. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. We're the number one thing at the top of vast array of God's imagination. Get that in your spirit and let it sit there. I am His favorite. Yeah. I feel bad for the rest of you. You're second. But I'm His favorite. I mean, it's like I'm His vast array. Right? And so when things hit me, I go, I just remind myself, oh, I get to win. I get everything. And I get to drag a whole bunch of people with me doing this. And we get to take the earth and cover it with all of God's glory. With a bunch of crazy, radical, stupid, and amazing people. I can't tell you what it's like. Like, I have five world race teams right now. So we've got a thousand kids running around the world in a world race. I've got five teams, and some of them are like 80 on a team, 60 on a team. I've got my own personal squad that Lisa and I coach, and it's called Expedition, so they go to the 1040 window, and they're supposed to be planting churches. I don't have things set up for them out there. They're supposed to find a man of peace when they get to a country, and they find that man of peace, and then they start doing miracles. And we're seeing miracles. We're seeing legs grow and ears come back and deaf deaf are hearing and blind are seeing and all kinds of things, like literally on video – No legs are growing out. It's incredible. But then they get back to me, and they're mad at me for telling them that they were born to be loved. They said to me in month eight, I was just with them in India. I stand up. My poor wife wants to kill them all. There's a group of about four other girls there, and those are good Baptist girls, just like my wife is, just like (laughs) like Teresa is, like the good Baptist girls. We just got to get them free. (laughs) And they said to me, "Uh, you know, you've talked way too much this past eight months about us being sons and daughters of God and about how much he loves us, and you really haven't shown us the Roman road or how to share the gospel. And I said, right? You're just like, what? You're 28 years old? You've been raised in the church, and you wanted me to to teach you the Roman road? I'm not going to do that. I kind of figured you already knew about it. And in fact that's really not what it's about. It's about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's about ushering in the kingdom. It's about it's my responsibility to bring Christ to earth and show the earth what the power of God is. Not about me just getting somebody saved. I get to demonstrate it all. Right so it's an amazing thing to just kind of walk through that and then I have to take responsibility and say, guys, my perception, I want to take full responsibility. Anything that I put off, I need to take responsibility for. And I do. And then I realized I need to shepherd them more. I need to pastor them more before I start talking about it's God loves me in me because it's just God loving himself. That doesn't make sense to a Baptist brain, right? It's about morals. It's about right and wrong. It's about what can I do enough to get him to love me and like me? He's kind of a mean, angry God. And I just need to figure out how to get him to like me. So if I'm immoral enough, he'll do that. And God said, I don't care how moral you are. And this thing has nothing to do about right and wrong. Has everything to do with life and death? Are you bringing life to my brothers and sisters? Are you bringing them to my children? Yes. Everywhere you go. Sorry, I'm getting off a little rabbit hole. <laughs> Let me read this. Well, uh, so then he goes in, he makes the makes the woman right, and he wounds us. So I want to talk about the language of this generation is vulnerability. We have to be vulnerable. We have to stop looking like we have it together. We got to stop walking into church and say, "How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. How are you?" <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm really kind of sick in my spirit tonight. I need something stirred. I need something to just come alive in me, right? I know God's calling me to something bigger and better and higher, and I'm scared to death to go do it. Donovan, God is about ready to change your life. Like, this thing on your life is so awesome and real, and he's like, I want him to, I've taught him how to embrace Process. See, we've got it backwards. We're so used to, we can get anything on our phone. We can order any food. We can go to McDonald's. We can... So we think God works that way. And God goes, no, I'm the exact opposite of that. I anti- mean, I go slow. I don't give answers. I let you wrestle in the process because that's what it's about. It's about walking in that liminal space where I don't know. And actually learning how to love and embrace the, do- I don't know. And it sucks. It's horrible. And God goes, I love it when you're there because now you can't control anything. Now you can't make it happen. Now you just get to rest and trust. So you're in that space, and God goes, yeah, I'm in it. I got you. Just trust process. Trust the word of the Lord, right? It's coming. It doesn't matter. That's when it comes, right? It's good. Come on. Liminal space. Latin word, and I know Blonnie's hit this with many of you, it means threshold. So it's when we're in between that, our old comfort zone and any possible new answers, and we can't get it done ourselves. So we're, we're in this comfort zone. We know God's calling us to something higher, but we just can't make it happen. And God goes, that's what I want this generation. That's what I want you resting in. Because then you can't get in my way. You can't control it. Oh, right? So my mom's dying, like dying. And I'm like, God, I have no, no money to go home. I can't fly home, calling all my buddies. What am I going to do? My mom just died. Sent out a little letter, bam, tickets are bought. The goodness of God. The favor, just it turns because you just trust. And if God wouldn't have done that, I would have gone, okay, good. He's doing something completely different, and I don't need to get in the way of it. And I'm okay with that. I will never make something happen again. I will never have a crack door open and kick it open. I'll enjoy the crack and the little light shining in, and let it teach me why it's there until God decides to open that door. That's good. Wow. In fact, if I can control it, I run from it now wow. because I know I'll mess it up yeah. every single time. We must learn to slow down and trust. This is the word of the Lord for you guys because of what's, what's coming with obedience. We have to learn how to break either or thinking to both and thinking. To yes and yes. Is God good? Yes. Does God not answer me sometimes? Yes. Is life sucking? It's really bad sometimes? Yes. Is life amazing when God shows up and he changes everything? Yes. Right? It's like, oh God, this, this again? God, I'm so tired of this. God goes, well, why don't you shut up and sit down? Learn how to just sit in the tiredness of this and let me teach you something. Because once I'll teach you this, it'll be over. But some of us carry our parents' generational curses. Jesus broke them in Galatians 3. They're done. But we these familiar spirits haunt us. And then we get in. If we don't deal with them, guys, listen, we're dealing with this right now in our own family. You don't deal with these little foxes, these little familiar spirits, bitterness, anger. Oh, God's never going to do this for me. It's never going to happen. I'm sick and tired of this. We carry that. All of a sudden, we wake up, and we're 60, and we're bitter old people. Yeah. And I know a lot of them. I see them all the time. They're not happy about anything because they become it. They become what they've spoken over their lives. And they've allowed themselves to become just like their mothers and fathers. And here's what God is saying to you, some of you tonight, like literally saying to some of you. He wants to break the generational curses in your families because he does not want your children and grandchildren walking in them. He's tired of it. He's more tired of it than you are. Amen. It is your responsibility to say, Father, I'm going to activate my faith and step into healing right now. I'm going to activate who I am. I'm Christ on earth. I get everything. I am the image of God, and I'm going to apply that to my life, even when it's hard and it sucks. And I'm going to let this thing teach me everything it's going to teach me, and then I'm going to come out the other end and go, oh, that wasn't so bad. And I'm a happy person, and people like happy people. Don't you like hanging around people that are happy? It's really bad around negative, unhappy people. I was around one all day, and I want to kill him! <laughs> and God keeps just going, love him! Embrace, Embrace <laughs> him! I want to kill him! Oh, I wanted to kill him. I'm just being honest. I'm being vulnerable. I'm learning how to be vulnerable. It's really hard. I'm just learning. So walk with me. Psalms 27:13. Let me read this to you. Hey, Colin, I could have had you throw this up there. That would have been awesome. Psalms 27, 13, and 14. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And this is what I want some of you to get. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The season of transition, I really believe, is over. It's close, but it's going to take some radical obedience. There's no, there's no kind of ma- minor obedience, and there's really no kind of minor disobedience. You either obey or you don't, it's true, right? It's true. And God, I mean, I say radical obedience, but obedience is obedience. And when Jesus is saying something to us, it means that he wants to expand our territory. It he wants to expand our spirits. He wants to do something new for the people around us, not just for us. Yeah. has very little to do with us. He's going, I'm about ready to bring some people in your life that need to be happy, but I need you happy first. And if that was all you ever did, that's a pretty good call. That's all I'm about. As a prophet that gets to fly all over the flipping world right now, all I get to do, 1 Corinthians 14, is strengthen, encourage, and comfort everyone I meet. I get to make Michael's life look more like the Garden of Eden because I'm in it. I get to let Michael make me look like more of the Garden of Eden. Everywhere I, everywhere I go, I just want to make it look like the garden. I want to bring the presence of the Father. My mom's dying the other day in the hospital, and, and there's darkness, and she can't breathe. And I talked to her for the last time. I was standing at, at a soccer field with my best, one of my best friends, Tom Davis. And I get the call, and she can barely talk to me. She, I love you. She's just trying to get out of voice. In. I know she's dead. And I just fell in the grass, and I cried for a while. But she, she, the doctor grabbed my dad and asked him to come to the boardroom And my dad's like, what do you, what? I thought something really bad going on. So he goes in the boardroom and the doctor's got tears going down his eyes. She says, can I ask you something, Mr. Black? He said, sure. He said, "Uh, (laughs) we can't figure it out. But there's about 20 of us on the floor here that every time we go into your wife's bedroom, there's a glowing light and we feel peaceful Mm -hmm. and we feel like everything's okay. So some of us just camp in there. I can't get my nurses to go get their other jobs done because the, they see, literally see the glowing light and everyone sees it. Yeah. In my dead mother! Yeah. I want my dead body to shine the glory of God. Right? That's a testimony. I told you guys, I tell you when she died and she saw my dad, did I tell you that story? I gotta tell you that. Because she dies in bed with my dad about six months ago. She's, di- she's dead. She literally, she looks at my dad, she said, it's about one in the morning. She dies. She's growing cold. My dad's just holding her crying. Hour two goes by, cold body. So he's just like dreading getting up. He feels her body start warming up. It's getting warmer and warmer and warmer, and he can't figure it out. And she wakes up, and she looks at him. She says, who are you? And he goes, honey, it's me. It's your husband. It's Dwayne. 58 years of marriage. Who are you? He said, it's me. And she said, no, I just met you in heaven, and that's not your name in heaven. (laughs) We already are. We already were. We are now, and we're already in heaven. And he gives us new names in heaven. Guys, we already won this thing. We're already there. We already have new names. It's a brilliant thing. I was born to be loved. And then love everybody else. preach forever. I'm not gonna. If you're waiting on something, if you're in transition, if you need a change or to make a life decision, you may need to get uncomfortable, okay? I just came off a 21-day fast, and I'm not bragging about it. I hate fasting. It's the worst thing in the whole world. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it, right? (sighs) I mean, like, and my wife was so proud because I was really faithful. I mean, I'm usually not. I, you can't fail at fasting, right? You're fasting, like, I just need a potato chip, and you go get a potato, and you're done, right? <laughs> and, and God just goes, All right, well, he tried. I'm I'm proud of it, right? But I did this thing, you know? And I'm and I'm walking in the mountains, and I'm just like, and God gives me this is so awesome. God, he gives me Mark of one Mark And in Mark one twelve, Mark was writing to the Romans, so he always used like powerful language. He used intense language because it was the Romans and they're a bunch of crazy warrior fighting people, right? So he had to use intense language and he says in Mark 1.12, Mark says, Jesus was driven into the desert. Jesus was driven right before he does his 40-day fast. He was driven into the desert. We have to be intentional when God's asking us to do something, when there's transition coming. <clears throat> we have to get uncomfortable we have to make ourselves uncomfortable with the core to get the answer sometimes. And sometimes that means we need to go on long fasts. Sometimes that means we we just really need to make our spirits kind of uncomfortable, take a leap that we haven't wanted to take in a long time. And God says, I drove Jesus into the desert, intentionally drove him to go fight the enemy. And then what does it say when he came out of the desert? He went. He was driven in and he came out in power. Right? And I think that's what it is. The word of the Lord came around this fast power is coming to the church again. And it's not the church as we know it. It's the churches that are doing community. It's the churches that are missional community around the kitchen table. Every gift's on fire. There's a five-fold ministry happening. And the prophetic is flowing. And the wine is flowing. And life is flowing. And he said, I'm going to bring power into the midst of those communities, just like I did when Jesus came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start seeing miracles in the in America again. The reason why we don't have miracles is we don't need them. Right. It's the first time there's ever been a middle class in our history of the world. And middle class people don't need Jesus. We don't, if I need to go buy a car, I go buy a car. If I need food, I go to, to go buy food. Yeah. Sometimes I'm a little short and sometimes it's hard, but we don't really need God. And God said, I'm going to bring the need back. I think that's some of what's happening, obviously. We're not going to talk politics. I love what's happening, though. But he's asking some of us as individuals, and there's some of you here, and this is why I think he wanted me to bring this word. He's asking us to get uncomfortable. We're, we're calling all of Europe to a 40-day fast on March 1st. I had this crazy encounter with the guys I used to run with in the 90s. Lou Engel, he fasts, does 40-day fast all the time. He, his whole life, he, he doesn't preach, he just tells his dreams when he's up on the stage. And he lives this radical fasted lifestyle and he hates fasting as well. But he has these encounters that are unbelievable. And it just stirred my spirit being around him again a couple months ago that I just need to step back into that place of being uncomfortable. I'm too comfortable. It's too easy. I don't want that in my life. I want to be shaken up. I want the love of God to shine from my body even when it's dying. Golly. Yeah. I'm going to end my first closing, Pastor, I promise. <laughs> I Michael, can I have some more water? 14, here we go, Matthew 14, 22. I'm just going to read it to you. You know, they just fed the 5,000, they're tired, disciples, it's all happening, and this is, this is it. Jesus made them, I want you to get that word, made them, underline that if you're reading in the Bible. Jesus made them get into the boat and go to the other side. That same night, they've experienced a storm and Jesus walking on the water, and here is the question he asked me when I was reading it. Did I know, did Jesus know that they were going to go into a storm? I think he probably did. He probably knew what was about ready to happen. I mean, he is Jesus. More important though, the question was, did the disciples know that the weather was going to be contrary to their trip? Now think about it, these are professional fishermen. These are professionals on the water. This is all they did. They knew the storm was coming. That's why he had to make them get in the boat, okay, okay. right? It wasn't about, please get in your boat and go over, but you don't have to. No, get in your boat and go out into the storm. And they're like, uh, 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 Jesus, you know there's a storm coming. <laughs> right? and, and what does he do? He like, goes and gets to what he always does. He goes to the lonely place. Uh-huh. Big difference. Big difference between isolation and solitude. Uh-huh. Jesus always went to solitude. The enemy, the spirit, always the Jezebel spirit, always wants to get us to isolation. Yes. Always. And in isolation, he convinces us that we're no good, that we're depressed. We have suicidal thoughts. He can do whatever he wants. But when we're in solitude with dad, with the father, and we're just resting with the father, he can't come in. He can't tell us any of those things. And all that stuff falls away. It breaks off. So get, get alone and get quiet. I honestly feel like just recently I had a mandate from the father to teach this next generation contemplation. The only true way to pray is when we're just silent. And we just focus on our breathing. And we just say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I took our April squad out on the Camino, Camino de Santiago. It's magical. We walk like 30K a day. And it's hard. And you're blistery. And every morning, I made them walk in silence. No talking. No earphones. No nothing. And all I had them do was, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And none of them had ever been quiet for more than 30 seconds. And it was driving some of them out of their mind. And I was loving it. <laughs> I'm like, this is so good. Right? They're like, this sucks. I'm like, yes, I know. Keep, keep your mouth shut. Keep walking. Right? It's incredible. Contemplation. They were, they, they, were, they were fishermen, and they knew the weather patterns and could predict what a storm, when a storm would come. Is that why Jesus made them get into the boat? That's really good. Does God know about the storms you're facing or about ready to face? I think he does. I think when we're close to Holy Spirit, we know too. Uh We're professionals at this. Uh When we pray in the Spirit out loud every day, when we just sit in the silence of the Father, when we get to solitude and not isolation, I think we become professionals and we go, oh, there's a storm coming. I can feel it. And I'm going to smile all the way through it. I'm going to get a little pissy and mad and Uh kick something, cuss a couple, but I'm going to get right back to Uh it. That's okay. God's not going to go, oh God, look. Michael's kicking the can again. He's like, no, Michael, kick the can a couple times. Cuss at me. It's okay, man. Get back to me. Get back to my heart. Let's do this thing. Does he still make us get into our boats and face it? Jesus didn't ask for their opinion. He asked for their obedience. Jesus didn't ask for their opinion. He asked for their obedience. Hmm. What is God asking you? Maybe, what is he making you do this year? When God calls us into something, he doesn't want our opinion. He wants our obedience. The chance for him showing up in our storms, I get this, this is so good. The chance for him showing up in our storms is bigger than anything we would say to avoid it. Did you get that? the chance for him showing up in our storms is bigger than anything we would say to avoid it. Meeting him in a storm is better than staying safe on the shore until the storm has passed because you're going to miss it again. How many times have you come around that same mountain? God, why can't I get rid of this? Why can't I get rid of this sin in my life? Come around again. God, I'm never going to do this again. I'm doing it again. And God goes, why don't you sit in your sin and ask it why it's there? This is not a heaven and hell issue for me. All this does is create shame and depression in your life. All it does is bring you down and you're not happy and nobody wants to be around you. So why don't you learn why it's there and let it teach you its lesson and get rid of it for good. Uh Instead of wallowing in your poor little sin that God's like, this is so little. I see your life all at one time. I saw you before. I see you now and I see you after. You think this little blip right here really concerns me that much? You can't stop looking at porn? I want to flick you on your head. I'll, I'll help you. Invite me into it. Come on. Yeah. Let me come into that and watch it with you. Let's see what happens. Pray in tongues and watch <laughs> porn. It doesn't work. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit and try to do any sin. <laughs> right? I make all my kids. Noah's got to learn it now in Spanish, which is really my, my 14-year-old is like 50 60% fluent in Spanish. Lisa and I know three words. Uh, it's horrible. It's bad. Hola. Pawn, which is bread, and because we like the bread. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 1 Corinthians 10 13. You got to memorize it. If you're young, you're struggling with anything. 1 Corinthians 10 13. He will always give us a way out. Right? No temptation has seized you except what is common to everybody. Yeah. And I'll never tempt you beyond what you can't handle. He will put us th- through things that we can't handle. That's a lie if you don't think that's true. I've been through a many, many things that I cannot handle. Yep. And I'll go through many, many more. But he says, I'll never tempt you beyond what you can handle. And, oh, by the way, I'll always give you a way out. So I say, God, I want that whisper to be really loud of the way out. Right when I'm about ready to sin, I hear that whisper, and I'm like, I don't have to do this. He'll always give me a way out. Beautiful. Because why? I was born to be loved. He loves me anyway. But he wants me happy. He wants to be changing everybody I meet. As we walk in the kingdom this year, and I'm done, I want to pray for some of you. Let's pursue his command and know the master of the storms has got it under control and we do not, and that's okay. You have nothing under control. And every time you try to control it, it'll just come right back around. Amen? Let's stand up together, can't we? Michael, can I get a little, little guitar? Oh. I said, if you would, if you don't have to, but if you would with me, just close your eyes. If you want to, to receive a little bit, just put your hands out and just, I want you to have a, a, just a private conversation with the Father for a minute. Is there any of this that struck you tonight? And if it didn't, that's great. Uh, it's fine. It's awesome. But any of this that struck you where you're just going, God, I've been sitting in this sin for way too long. I want to learn why it's there. Just tell him, say, Father, I, I'm inviting you into this space with me. God, there's this thing that you've been telling me you want to make me do, and I've been resisting you. I've been in disobedience. I want you just to confess that to the Father right now. Just say, I, I know you've told me to get in the boat, and I've said no. And I'm just inviting you into that space because I need you to walk me onto the boat. I can't do this alone. He goes, Oh, good. That's what I wanted to hear, because you're right, you can't. Father, you ask me just to learn contemplation, just to sit with you as a dad and trust you in that liminal space where I, I have no control, I don't know the answer, I don't know what to do, and that's okay, and I want to trust you at that level. I want to trust you as a good father that actually created me in blessing, that actually created me to fill the earth with your glory and to do my little part in that, to be Christ on earth. Just talk to him. Just have a conversation with him. God's calling you to some obedience, just some stuff you've been fighting, if he's calling you to maybe more of him, maybe just to embrace the gifts that he's given you, maybe a gift that you've been asking for. Paul, I feel like God's just shown me you've been asking for something for quite a long time and he wants to give it to you. It's a a gift just to give away. He wants to, the process has been, it's not you, babe, right? Uh, It's not about you, Paul. I want you to give this thing away. And, it's, and he just wants, he's been wanting to give it to you. I feel like he, like when Jesus came, he leaned over the balcony. He's like, that's my boy. He gets it all. He just says, Lord, oh, I want to give this to you. He's about ready to. If you want prayer, come on up. I want to just uh, pray for you and just ask the Lord to do what he wants to do. Sometimes, here's how it works, guys. When we activate our faith, then he comes and meets us. If we don't activate there's no faith. What did he say? I, when I come back, I want to find faith on earth. Yeah. He mentions that more than anything. That pleases him about, more than about anything. Yeah. So when I step or make a, I get one word for somebody, I have to say the word to activate the faith and then he gives me the rest. So step out. If God just wants that you know, you know if there's something on you, pulling on your spirit, activate it and let's just get it done. Yeah. Those hands out. Let's just receive from the Father.